Chapter 10 of The Whispering Eye by G.T. Fleming Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Stop, murderer. The following morning, Kipperland read the early edition of Jeff Weedham's paper, The Daily Opinion, with his breakfast coffee. The latest story concerning the criminal exploits of the eye was headlined I is Black Hood. Berkey. The following story told how A.J. Berkey, filling station operator from a northern suburb, had been held in Tombs Prison for questioning in conjunction with the murder and robbery at the Weedham plant. The night before, Berkey had confessed that his boss, the criminal known as the Eye, was actually the Black Hood. The part of the story that put a dull ache in Kipperland's heart was the fact that it was bylined by Barbara Sutton the Daily Opinion police reporter, and more particularly, the woman whom Kipperland loved. There was another eye story, stating that the body of Jack Carlson had been found. This murder, too, was attributed to the eye. And once again, it was pointed out that the eye and the black hood were one and the same. As night fell upon the city, Kipperland once more vanished behind the identity of the black hood, not without full realization that he was taking his life into his hands. Again he visited the Weedham estate on West End Avenue, this time determined to have a talk with Major Paxton. Prowling around the house in search for a suitable entrance, Black Hood discovered that he could not have come at a worse time. William Weedham was host to Sergeant McGinty and his cops, as well as a number of reporters, including Barbara Sutton and her clumsy cameraman, Joe Strong. Evidently, the police expected to gain further information about the crimes of the eye. Black Hood took to a stout iron trellis, climbed quickly to the second story where he found a bedroom window open. He slipped into the empty bedroom and from there went into the hall. Tiptoeing down the hall, he came to a small upstairs living room in which a light burned. There, studying a European war map, was Major Paxton. Black Hood entered silently and closed the door behind him. As the Major looked up, Black Hood stepped quickly forward so that his tall figure overshadowed that of the peppery little Major. "'What? What? Who?' Paxton sputtered. "'Why, look here! You can't come in here like this!' "'But I am in,' Black Hood said quietly. "'And you won't utter a sound, or you'll force me to live up to my unjustly earned reputation as a murderer.' "'But it's illegal! It's... it's damnable!' "'Now sit down and cool off, Major,' Black Hood said patiently. "'You can blow off steam after I've left.' "'Left, huh? You'll get out of here over my dead body!' Black Hood nodded. "'If necessary, even that.' But first we're going to have a quiet little chat, you and I. A little talk about a check in the amount of $40,000. I'll not pay you one cent, Paxton exploded. Why, do you think you can frighten me into... I have frightened you, Major, Black Hood said, smiling. And it won't cost you a cent, either. All I want you to do is take a look at this check... Black Hood drew the check, which he had taken from the dead fingers of the murdered Bigart, from a pocket in his belt. He held it so that Paxton could look at it. 
Paxton stared and then suddenly looked at the Black Hood's eyes revealed in the slots of his black mask. Why, it's made out to me. Remarkable, isn't it? Black Hood said. It was found in the fingers of the murdered Biggert. He turned the check over to show the endorsement. Is that your signature? It most certainly is. But great heavens, I didn't receive any money from William Weedham. I'll have you know that I am a man of independent means. He's never given me a penny. Why, what does this mean? Black Hood studied the little man closely. He had seen liars before, and it seemed to him that if Paxton was lying, he was doing a remarkable job of it. That's your signature, though, he persisted. Yes, but I didn't sign it. The Major pressed a hand to his forehead. Wait, I have an idea. A mere ghost of an idea. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a cigarette lighter. My signature is engraved on this lighter, he explained. Anyone could have borrowed my lighter and traced that endorsement. Let me see that check a moment. Black Hood shook his head. And have you destroy it? He said with a smile. Rather, let me see the lighter. The Major handed over the cigarette lighter, holding it beneath the check. Black Hood could see that the signature of Paxton on the back of the check followed in every detail the engraved signature on the lighter. He handed the lighter back. And the signature of William Weedham, he said. Take a look at that. Major Paxton scowled. He shook his head doubtfully. It could be genuine, and then again it could be a forgery. It seems to me— The door behind Black Hood opened. The master manhunter wheeled, saw the lank figure of Jeff Weedham standing in the door. Jeff Weedham opened his mouth, shouted at the top of his voice, d d d dad Help! The Black Hood! And then young Weedham tried a necktie tackle that was supposed to flatten Black Hood to the floor. Black Hood bent double to duck that high tackle. The result was that Jeff Weedham landed squarely across the Black Hood's broad back. The manhunter straightened, threw Jeff to the floor, darted from the room and out into the hall. The stairway was within three long strides of him. Black Hood slid halfway down the broad stair railing before he saw William Weedham and Sergeant McGinty at the foot of the steps waiting for him. McGinty had his gun out. Black Hood kicked his legs over the rail, reversing his position, gave himself a shove with his hands. He dropped over the railing, landed on his feet in the hall below. He turned, dashed through a door that stood open beneath the stairs. This brought him into a huge dining room. But he wasn't there long enough to tell about it. He went through a swinging door into a butler's pantry, then into a kitchen. There was a cop at the back door waiting for him. He pivoted in his tracks, doubled back into the dining room, went through another door that brought him to the living room. No way out there. And then he remembered that William Weedham's library was between living room and hall. The French windows of the library might be one avenue of escape which McGinty's thinly spread men were not guarding. He reached the library, ran to the French windows. They were locked, but the key was in place. He was about to unlock the windows when he heard the door off the hall open and close. Stop! Murderer! Black Hood turned, just a little slowly this time, because he had recognized that voice, a voice that haunted his dreams as did the face of the lovely girl who owned it. Barbara Sutton stood in the doorway, a small but businesslike revolver in her hand. End of chapter 10